Your children are supposed to have tantrums. Your children are supposed to have meltdowns. Your children are supposed to be figuring out where the boundaries are and pushing against them. That's their job and they know only to do that. They don't have the skills to do anything else. Your job and the very reason that you are the parent is because it's your job to teach them. Welcome to Your Brain on Trauma, where we share science-based tools to heal from childhood traumas so you can let go of patterns that might be holding you back, have better relationships, and pass on a legacy that you're proud of. I'm your host, Dr. Kavita Sun. I'm a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, a trauma recovery coach, and a survivor myself. I'm super honored to have you here. I've got so much to share with you. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, my friends. How are you doing? Happy Thursday. Oh, I just came off of a three-day live event that I had uh, just finished doing for my clients. And it was about healing our past. And it was so amazing and moving and awe-inspiring to watch people just transform and release old triggers from their nervous system itself, not just from their minds, not just from their habits or their language, but right from their bodies. Because when you can release it at such a basic level, you become effortless in acting or making decisions from a different place. It becomes effortless, right? And so it was just, yeah, I feel so much gratitude for being alive in this day and time and this life that I have been given and this small, tiny dot of brilliance that I have in this specific area. There are lots and lots of things in life that I am below average at. (laughs) And that is true. However, there is one area where I am really, really good at. And I'm just lucky to have found it. I think everyone has that one particular thing that they are so good at. But sometimes we're lucky enough to have stumbled on it and some sometimes we're not. And I'm just, I just feel really lucky to have stumbled on it and to be able to share it. Anyway, so today I wanted to share with you guys um, the two emotions that we want to be careful not to trigger in our children. I see this a lot, even in extremely well-meaning, loving parents who are very smart and well-read and, you know, professionals, well-educated, well-meaning, right? And yet they don't realize, one, that they're triggering these two emotions, and two, that it is more harmful than it is ever beneficial. 
So I wanted to share, I think, you know, if you get this alone, your parenting and the legacy that you pass on to your children will be infinitely better. So the two emotions that actually for any human being is toxic, but especially for children because they're completely dependent on us. It's not like they can leave or survive out in the wild, right? They have to tolerate it. Whatever we say or do to them, whatever emotions we induce, they just sort of have to wade through it. And so it's especially toxic to children. And the two emotions are shame and loneliness. Okay? Shame and loneliness. As you can imagine, when we spend most of our time in the wild, which is, you know, 90% of our human evolution before civilization was in the wild, civilization itself is pretty... um, pretty recent in the grand scheme of things, right? So back then, feeling ashamed meant that you were different from the crowd. There was something wrong with you, something indelibly, unchangeably gone wrong with you, right? That's the thing about shame. It's not just that something is off. It's that you are in a very basic, primal way, in a way that cannot be repaired, you are damaged. And that sense of shame is a terrible, terrible insult to your nervous system, to your immune system, to your psychological system, and to your physical body even, right? With the mind and body being all one organism, it can wreak havoc on every system that compromises or constitutes who you are. Such is the toxic effect of believing deep down that there is something irreparably bad about you. And the corollary is the sense of loneliness. So shame itself induces loneliness because you either have to accept that you're you're irreparably damaged or you have to spend your entire life trying to project a mask to pretend that you are better than you actually believe that you are. In either cases, it is exhausting for both the person living it and for the people who are interacting with that person. It induces such a sense of being separate from everybody else, being different, too different, being weird, that you feel cut off from everyone else. And because a sense of belonging and a sense of uh, connection is primal for the health of any mammal, 
again, a sense of loneliness is extremely damaging to every system in a human organism. So how does this show up in parenting? Now, you might be thinking as I hear, as you hear me talk about what shame and loneliness is, you may be thinking, oh, of course we wouldn't shame our kids or make them feel completely alone. And yet we do, right? I'll give you an example. Time out. Okay, this might be controversial, probably is, but I'm going to say it because I believe it and I want the best for your children. When we send our children to time out, the message often behind that and the tone often behind that is you are being unacceptable. Your behavior, your emotions, the way you're expressing yourself is unacceptable and you need to go elsewhere away from the rest of us and figure it out and become different and then you will be included back in society. Think about the shame and the loneliness that is associated with that message. Not with the message that you are having a hard time and the way you're choosing to express right now your emotions is not healthy for you and for those around you and let me help you. That is a different message, okay? The fact that you see that their uh, expressions of their emotions is not appropriate to the situation is, is perfect. That is fine. The problem becomes when we institute a solution that gives the message that you are so weird and so wrong and so like disappointing to be around right now that you need to remove yourself from the rest of the family or the rest of the classroom or the rest of civilization as far as the kid knows and go off on your own somewhere and I don't know how you're going to do it and I don't care how you're going to do it. You have to somehow figure out alone how to stuff these emotions inside and act better. Only then will you be allowed back in our fold. People think, even well-meaning parents think, that they are teaching emotional regulation and discipline and um, social you know, socially um, acceptable behavior and all of these things to their children by giving them this sort of timeout. The sad thing is you will eventually have the child act differently because it's so uncomfortable to be completely on our own. They probably will stuff their feelings and come back to the fold of the family or the classroom and act differently. It will work temporarily is what I'm saying. But that doesn't mean that that's the right solution. 
Okay? Just because something works in the moment, it doesn't mean it's a right thing to do. It doesn't mean that it's not harmful. So what else could we do if a child is having a tantrum or having difficulty regulating his or her emotions or is um, being socially um, inappropriate with other children, maybe pushing, shoving, getting in their space or not sharing and all of those things that children do. What can we do as parents that still shows them how to regulate their emotions? Because, by the way, that's our job. It's not the job of children to come already knowing that. They come here not knowing that. And it's our job to teach them that. Teach them that. Okay? So, how can we do that? When we say, go to your room and don't come out until you have a better attitude, that's like a teacher saying, go to the other classroom and sit by yourself with this book. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but until you can learn to read, don't come back to this classroom. Like, that's the teacher's job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, so how can we do that differently and actually show up as the teachers and emotional guides that we're supposed to be for our children? Number one, we can separate them from the environment that they're having trouble in as long as we go with them too. Okay? As long as someone goes with them too. So what does that look like? It might mean saying, honey, I know you're having a hard time, but we really cannot hit. If we hit again, then that tells me that you're not able to keep safe. And you and I are going to go to the other room for a little bit. Okay? Now, one, you're still showing your child what is okay and what is not. Two, you are still giving the message that hitting or yelling or grabbing toys from somebody else, etc. is not pro-social behavior. But you're not shaming and you're not instigating the feeling of aloneness. Okay, now let's say he or she does it again and you pick him up or her up and of course they're going to be thrashing and not wanting to leave because, because it's a child, right? And children don't know what to do with all these feelings pouring through them and they're like wiggling and um, trying to get out of your arms and yelling and crying and all that. Okay, you continue to pick them up, take them to the next room, you close the door, you sit on the floor, against the door, so that they can't open the door. And then you just let them have whatever reaction they need to have without trying to advise them, lecture them, control them, or in any way intimidate them into acting differently. Because when we yell or, you know, threaten, what we are doing is intimidation. 
right? We wouldn't do that with an, an adult of our size. <laughs> we know that we'd get in trouble. We do that with children because we have power over them, right? So you just let them have their reaction. So maybe he's running around, rolling on the floor, throwing things. If it's a soft thing, let it go. If it's a hard thing, you just pry it from their hands without any emotionality. You just put it high up somewhere. Okay? What if he or she is running towards you and kicking and hitting you? Then you say gently, honey, if you hit and kick mama or dada or grandma or uh, Miss Daisy, right? I'm going to have to hold your hands and feet gently just so I can be safe. And you do that if you need to. And then you let go and see if they are able to not hit you. If they're not, you hold it gently again. All through this, you're not lecturing because actually, guess what? They cannot hear a word you're saying because their frontal lobe is completely gone. First of all, they don't even have it myelinated yet. But whatever little bit of logic and capacity they have is not online right then. So don't waste your breath. It also gives them a sense that there's something wrong with them that they're even having any kind of emotion in the first place, which is not true. You have felt frustrated just like them. You have felt mad just like them. You have felt helpless just like them. You have made mistakes just like them. So let them yell, cry, stomp, get it out. Your job is to just say, I know. I know it's really hard to feel frustrated. That's it. You're feeling really frustrated. I get it. That makes sense. Your feelings make sense. Notice I'm not saying your behavior makes sense. But I am saying, I get it. You're super frustrated. Your feelings make sense. Okay? One of the other things that I often say to my daughter is, I love you. I'm here. I still won't let her leave the room because she's just not ready. And I won't let her continue to hit anybody or hurt anyone or hurt herself or throw things at someone or grab toys repeatedly from someone. I won't let her do those things. But the way I stop her is not with shame or inducing a feeling of being punished by solitary confinement. There is a reason why solitary confinement is considered the worst thing you can do. Even more than physical harm, solitary confinement is the worst thing you can do, even in prison. So I want to leave you with this thought. Your children are supposed to have tantrums. Your children are supposed to have meltdowns. Your children are supposed to be figuring out where the boundaries are and pushing against them. That's their job. And they know only to do that. They don't have the skills to do anything else. Your job and the very reason that you are the parent 
is because it's your job to teach them. And just like any teacher that you would expect, right? If your son or daughter is going to a school, you would expect that teacher to actually sit and teach them math or reading or whatever else they're doing. You would be shocked and appalled and think it was unacceptable if the teacher sent the kid off by themselves to sit alone in a room and somehow figure all this out. What's, why is the teacher there then? Right? The same thing. Your job as a teacher is to show them how to emotionally regulate without shaming and without punishing them through this feeling of aloneness. When we do that, we are setting them up to be insecurely attached. Okay? Because the only way that they can make sense of that is to stuff their own feelings down in order to act in a way that you are demanding. That's the only way they can do that. And a child that divorces herself or himself from their own emotions in order to survive is going to have a very hard time in the future with managing their own emotions around challenges at school, in college, in their relationships, in their own parenting, at work. These are building blocks of how they're going to show up in the future, right? So I beg of you, think about, is there any place that in the belief that I need to discipline my children or teach them, you know, willpower or teach them how to be organized, is there any place where with all of these good intentions, I'm ending up shaming my children or making them feel alone in the world? And if so, I invite you to shift that. Because you love your children and you are supposed to be challenged by them and we're supposed to teach them and guide them. And you can, you can do this, right? So with that, my friends, I love you so much. I'm with you. If you have any questions about how to do this or if there's anything else that you are wondering um, you know, in terms of emotional seg- uh, regulation with our children, just send us an email or even text it to me, 860-656-8672. Is, I'll get a direct text when you text that number. Send me a text message with a question and I'll answer it in the next, next podcast, right? 860-656-8672. Send me a text message with any question that you have. And lastly, if you found this helpful, please, please give us a review. You can just go down um, and you'll see a little link that says write a review. Please give us a review. That's the number one way that other people can find this podcast. And that might help someone else pick up something 
that they're longing for or needing. So please, if you haven't yet, give us a review and send me a text message with any questions. I'm here for you. Okay? Big hugs. Bye-bye. Hi, my friend. If you found this episode helpful, come join us in our free Facebook group called Your Brain on Trauma. The link is in the show notes and there is a whole community there of women just like you who are on this sacred healing journey. We cannot heal in isolation. We need community. And that's what we have in our free Facebook group. I'll see you there.